Hello, and welcome to episode 1081 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today it is part two of Man vs. Machine. For this, of course, we are joined by the leader of the spreadsheet, spreadsheet socialists, Michael Leone. How's it going today? It's going well. It's a good day to see some Evan Silva capitulation. Indeed. Evan, how's it going today? It's going better than it was yesterday because I spent, or the, the previous two days, because I spent the last two days essentially drying, dry vacuuming my basement because we had insane like flash flooding uh, in the Chicago area, which almost wiped out this stupid NASCAR race that they held in the streets of Chicago. They had to like shut down the entire city. I mean, it, it was crazy, but, um, but I, I think we got, I had a buddy helping me and, um, I think we got it dried out pretty good. So I'm feeling much better today than I was the previous two days. The the people will want to know, did you actually do the basement yourself or did you hire a kid from the neighborhood to uh, dry your basement out? No, my buddy who's a badass worker, like uh, volunteered. He was like, yo, man, I heard, you know, in your area, uh, I heard in your area that there was like a ton of, of flooding because the infrastructure of um, what? Because the, the, the infrastructure, because the, dude, you know, no one, you've lost your credibility on this, but no one believes this. Because the, I mean, I couldn't, he couldn't have done it by himself. Okay. But the infrastructure of my neighborhood was not originally built, it was built in 1920, it was not built to support as many homes as are now in the area. So, like, tons of people's basement got water in them. Um, I've, I've actually had it worse than it was, uh, but, but we, 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 we got it fixed. All right. That's good. I'm glad you're in recovery and good spirits. On today's show, I'll be once again presiding as your honorable judge as these two debate their fantasy football rankings, a bunch of discrepancies between Silva's personal top 150 and the projection-based rankings we have on the site. Please listen to part one for more of an explanation on exactly what goes in to those projections and rankings that we do have up on the site. Before we get into it today, reminder that our friends at Underdog are running some of the biggest best ball contests, the biggest best ball contest in the history of best ball, $25 buy-in, $15 million prize pool in best ball mania Four, we have rankings and content for that contest and all the other contests that are up on Underdog right now. If you have never tried best ball on Underdog, the time is now. $100 matching deposit bonus if you use promo code ETR. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. All right. In part one, we hit on a lot of guys that the machine was higher on than Silva. In this episode, we're going to hit on guys who Silva is higher on than the machine. And we will start with one of the most controversial backfield situations of the offseason so far, of course, with the Vikings, Alexander Madison, and Ty Chandler. Silva is at 42nd overall. I'm sorry. Silva's at 24th overall. On Alexander Madison, Machine 42nd. Silva's at 108 overall on Ty Chandler, Machine 143. Silva. Oh, actually, we've heard Silva's Madison take plenty of times already on this show. Let's have Leone go first with his Madison and Ty Chandler take. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost a little worried 42 is high. And Silva's got him at 24, which is extremely high draft capital. 
your confidence that Madison is a three down back has to be so high to take him above really talented players like Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall. Like you, you have to be so confident that he's getting all these touches for the duration of the season. And I just don't have that confidence. Could it happen? Yeah, but it wouldn't be shocking if Madison um, seeded touches to Ty Chandler. And then, you know, so then you look at the Ty Chandler ranking. If you're that confident that Alexander Madison's getting these touches, how can you be so high on a handcuff running back like Ty Chandler? Like it, it doesn't really make too much sense to me. They also have Dwayne McBride, a rookie there, who, again, you have to have almost 100% confidence that that dude's the clear number three and Ty Chandler's two. Do I think this team could have a decent amount of high-value touches for the running backs? Absolutely. It's going to be a good offense. It's going to be a fun offense. But I just don't share that confidence that Madison's the clear one and that Ty Chandler is the clear two and going to get number one. Like, it just doesn't quite work out for me. All right. Silva, some strong points there from Leone. What do you got in response? Well, when I do my rankings, my top 150, and when I'm drafting players – uh, I don't really tie in backfield projections. I do independent evaluations of the ceiling and the floor case for each guy. So the fact that I'm high on both Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison relative to ADP, like I'm totally fine with that because I think that they're both buys. And Alexander Madison, I mean, I think that based on his usage in his past opportunities – to be the Vikings main back has shown, or at least the coaching staffs have shown that they're willing to feed him touches over and over and over again. Uh, He weighs 225 pounds. He can play in the passing game. I think the Vikings are going to score a lot of points this year. And then uh, as it pertains to uh, to Ty Chandler, like I think that he's the clear number two, Dwayne McBride who Leone brought up is a seventh round rookie seventh round rookies are on the bubble immediately. So he almost doesn't even factor into me. And then Kenny Nwongwu, who we've talked about about a little bit, is more of like a return specialist. So, and I mean, I kind of like the upside of Ty Chandler if something were to go down or if something were to happen to Alexander Madison. And that's why I have him in the top 110. Alexander Madison, I think, like I bet him 40 to one to uh, lead the NFL in rushing. I think he could get, 260 to 280 carries again, based on how coaching staffs have used him in the past. Um, And I I believe that the coaching staffs believe that he is a true every down back. And I think that that's going to translate onto the field this season. It's a tough ruling for me because I agree with a lot of Evan's points. And I especially agree on being ahead of market on him on underdog, where he goes a ridiculously low, I think 59th overall, but man, I do not think that I could have him, ranked where Evan has him ranked for Leone's points about you got to be really, really sure this dude is going to play like every single snap from to go in the top twenties and be worth it in my opinion. So I'm going to call it a draw here because I like Madison and I like the argument Evan made, but I can't, I can't abide. I can't give Evan a win when he hasn't ranked in the twenties is the bottom. I'll tell you what, go ahead, go ahead. I was just say philosophically, like I agree with Evan that you want to look at the players individually in terms of their floor ceiling, as opposed to like we have Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery both as bias at ADP. It's just 
you don't need to be that aggressive on these two guys to get them. You know, you're, you're taking Ty Chandler as a backup ahead of like Brian Robinson, who's a starting running back, you know, or, or like, you know, guys we talked about in the last episode, Quentin well, Johnson. Sure, I, don't, I don't think that Brian Robinson is and, necessarily going to oh, Okay, well, at Quentin Johnston, Jahan Dotson, like you're taking a handcuff running back yeah, quite early. And I think if Madison were to go down, I don't think that it would be a full workload for uh, Ty Chandler. I think he's like too small and too much of like a speed uh, receiving back. I'll tell you what, I I did like to see um, actually Leone having Alexander Madison at 42 gave me more confidence in Alexander Madison because I thought that he was going to come out with Madison like in the in the 50s or something like that. Having him at 42 makes me feel good about staying aggressive on Alexander Madison. He doesn't have to stay at 24. Okay. And really, in in the interest of of our audience, it would make sense to move him down just because he doesn't need to be that high above ADP. But again, in these early top one hundred and fifties, I don't care about coming out guns blazing. And then they'll they'll start to normalize as as again I get more drafts under my belt and the ADPs normalize. All right, let's go to DJ Moore. DJ Moore, of course, is now a Chicago Bear machine. Is bearish. On DJ Moore, 57th overall. Silva, very high on DJ Moore, 27th overall. Silva is more of the outlier here. I'll let him go first on DJ Moore, 27th overall. It just all comes down to um, that I think that Justin Fields is going to take a really big leap this year. Um, I have Justin Fields as a tier one quarterback and DJ Moore as, I don't think, wide receiver 15, something like that. Um and I think that those two rankings correlate. Um, I, I like the way that the offensive line is coming together for the Bears. I think they could actually have a, a legitimately good offensive line. We talked about them last year entering the season as if they were going to have a bottom five offensive line. It actually wound up being about middle of the road. And now they're adding a first round pick in Nate Davis, who's an ass kicking right guard. Tevin Jenkins, who they used a really high pick on. Um, a couple years ago, he's kind of settled in uh, as they're starting left guard. They're getting back Braxton Jones, who I, I met at a, at a Cubs game. He's really nice to my daughter. Um, and he's actually – he was a stud as a rookie out of Southern Utah. Uh, and then Cody Whitehair at center. I mean, I, I like their offensive line. And I think that one of the things that, it, that had been holding back Justin Fields as a passer was the fact that he needs a little bit extra time because he's a little bit slow of a processor and he's just kind of a little bit deliberate in the pocket. I think he's going to get that time. And I think DJ Moore is going to benefit again. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to capitulate because it, it keeps working against me. Um, but, you know, I'm willing to have some compromise here and move DJ Moore down because again, it's a situation where in the interest of our audience, we don't have to have DJ Moore ranked that high in order for us to get him. I do want him on my team this year. Though. All right. Leonie, go ahead. I mean, 27th overall is outrageous here. Let's look at the Chicago play calling. You know, we've got them increasing their pass rate from last season by six percentage points from about 51% to 57%. We have them increasing their plays per game from about 58 and a half to 61 and a half plays per game. We have them with a nine and a half percent sack rate. Justin Fields took nearly a 15% sack rate last year. So we have them meaningfully improving in all three metrics that would 
help pass volume and it's still well, then what's tough. wrong with your dj Moore ranking and it's still that's just my point they have so far to go that it's still tough for dj Moore to get there unless he's like a 30 percent target share guy and even though the target competition like isn't great like they do have guys who are going to play and like be like they're going to spread it out a little bit i don't see him being a 30 percent target share guy so either this team has to change so 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 drastically you know, Justin Fields has to prove so much as a pass. That's the other thing. Fields only completes sixty percent of his passes. So, I mean, we're looking at DJ Moore. It's going to take who a his lot. Receivers were. It's going to take a lot for DJ Moore to get over a hundred targets. You're taking him at the two three turn. You're taking him ahead of Devonta Smith and Chris Olave, who are absolute ballers. You want to talk about a guy too in terms of upside? I've been a huge DJ Moore stand for years, but he routinely scores like four touchdowns a year. Now you're putting on one of the team that has one of the lowest expected passing touchdowns in the entire league. Like there is so much risk. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> stop, stop the stop fight. It. He's already dead. He's already dead. Stop <laughs> the fight. Oh man, a victory by TKO for Leone. On DJ Moore, my God, stop the fight. Go back to the training. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Leone. DJ Moore, God, I, I don't, I, it, it's a stretch to think that Justin, like, and people keep comparing this DJ Moore thing to Devontae Smith and AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. You know, Jalen Hurts, I think his um, passing at the NFL level going into last year had just shown so much more than Justin Fields had so far. So, yeah, just that alone is enough for me to, be a little bit wary on on DJ Moore, not to mention all of their boomer ball stuff going on. All right. Rondre Stevenson, Machine 31, Silva 19. This is one that Silva's gotten into a little bit with Pat Thorman on our resident Patriots expert. So we talked about that a little bit with the Thorman episode, but go ahead, Silva, on Ramondre Stevenson 19 overall. Well, Thorman's argument, you know, is built on like a phantom idea that you know they're going to sign Leonard Fournette and look if they sign Leonard Fournette like Ramondre Stevenson is going to rocket down the rankings I was listening to Mike Lombardi's podcast GM Street uh last night and he was talking about how he thought he well he just brought up the possibility of the Patriots signing Dalvin Cook um I'm not going to build any like apprehension in any any anticipation into my rankings of them signing a veteran running back and instead I'm going to wait for that to happen and if that happens then I move them down that you know that that's a strategy that that can work and and can and might not work but I mean I think that Ramondre Stevenson is an every down back I know he talked about how at the end of last season he wore down and that's a little bit of a concern but I think he is a true every down back I think he's an awesome talent you know last year the comparison I made was for, for him was to Derrick Henry, and he's better in the passing game than is Derrick Henry. Now, he didn't have a high yards per reception last year. I get that. But, I mean, I think that he's obviously a, a quality receiving back, and I think he's really good between the tackles. And this team is going to run the crap out of the ball. You know, they, they there are, like, concerns that um, Mac Jones could lose his, lose his job uh, to Bailey Zappi. You know, like, they, I don't think that they trust their passing game they're out here signing Devonte Parker to extensions. You know they're flirting with um, uh, they're flirting with DeAndre Hopkins. I, I think that Ramondre Stevens in, is the centerpiece of the Patriots' offense, and so he's he's a running back that I want to draft this year aggressively. 
All right, Leone, we do know that there's like some probability scale of signing a free agent. Maybe you can talk about how we build that into the projection slash ranks and then go ahead on Ramondre. Yeah, I mean, we have a certain amount of volume that goes to unlisted players on teams when we're worried about the volume. And I think you do have to think somewhat probabilistically where it might not happen, but it might. And you do want to bake in the chances a little bit. This isn't one I feel super strongly on. If you are really confident that Ramondre has the stranglehold as a three down back, in particular that pass catching role, I totally get Silva's ranking. I think from our perspective, we're a little bit concerned there. And if you're concerned there, then you start to look at a team that's bottom 10 in terms of their average spread over the course of the season, bottom 10 in terms of the average team total over the course of the season. And if you get a volume dependent back who isn't the primary or bulk pass catcher on a team that's not going to score a lot on an offense that's at risk. Like those are historically the type of running back bets that you want to avoid at, at like the two, three turn. So we're leaning a little bit on Thorman and like some of the projections team. Also, forgive me, I meant to shout this out right at the beginning, but shout out like Jack Miller and Mark Dankenbrink have done a great job and helping us grind these inputs. But um, yeah, so that's that's the downside. But I do see the upside where if you don't think they're going to sign someone and that Ramondre is going to catch all the passes, then Silva's ranking makes sense. I sense a little bit of capitulation there from Leone. Uh, I disagree with uh, Silva at 19 overall, but I think his argument was more sound on Ramondre. So I'll go ahead and give the victory to Silva there. Let's move to TJ Hawkinson. Machine, 55 overall on TJ Hawkinson. Silva, 41 Overall, I'll let the machine go first this time on Mr. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I mean, this is one where I also might capitulate a little bit. I do see the upside here in TJ Hawkinson. The target shares once he got to Minnesota were so, so good. I do think, you know, going back to the Jordan Addison thing that we had talked about on the podcast prior, that Addison's going to be more of a threat for targets than Adam Thielen was. But ultimately, it's a really condensed offense they're going to throw, especially in terms of pass attempt volume, it's going to be well above league average. They're probably going to get in shootouts. You know, this was a team that their record was great last year, but their point differential wasn't. And I think it might be a similar thing this year in terms of uh, point differential. So I like Hawkinson, especially on full PPR sites and tight end premium sites where that volume can really start to get him closer to, you know, an Andrews, type for example who might be a bit more there on efficiency so i like hawkinson quite a bit i think 40 is a little rich for a half ppr site but i don't have you know a strong anti hawkinson take yeah uh hawkinson adp currently 52 silva is at 41 go ahead on tj hawkinson silva i mean i think that leone actually kind of just laid out the case um and i would just add in that i think it's 12 or 13 games uh, TJ Hawkinson last year played with the Vikings like they shove volume down his throat his uh, his pace his 17 game pace during that time span was over 100 catches um, so it, it seems like Leone's a little bit you know behind me on, on Hawkinson obviously ahead of me on Jordan Addison so I mean I, I think it, it maybe comes down to that a little bit yeah you guys can go back and listen to Market Monday. I spent a few minutes giving my take on TJ Hawkinson. Again, I think he is a legit threat to be the number one overall tight end if you think Travis Kelsey falls off. Um, I have him as the clear number three tight end. Or not, not super clear, but 
fairly clear number three tight end behind Kelsey and Andrews ahead of Kittle and Goddard. Yeah, yeah. And, and man, I mean, Hawkinson's usage inputs when he was with the Vikings last year were not all that different than Travis Kelsey's from a target share. From an ADOT perspective, he obviously is, is not as good after the catch quarterback play is worse. Red zone role is worse. Uh, but still, man, awesome role for TJ Hawkinson on the Vikings. Yeah, and he is, again, I mean, one of the guys that has a bigger discrepancy between half PPR and full PPR ranks for us. And at tight end, a lot of times that works the opposite. Like guys like mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts and George Kittle are more efficiency-based guys. So as you start to get into full PPR formats, the gap between Hawkinson and them, like it goes opposite directions. Like that's a much better format for Hawkinson and so actually worse format for a lot of these, these other kind of mid-high tier tight ends. All right. Let's go to Jerry Judy. Machine is at 52 overall. Silva is a bit more out of line with the market at 39 overall on Mr. Judy. We've had some Broncos wide receiver discussions internally. Silva is uh, out on a bit of an island, I think, with some anti-Cortland Sutton stuff, which is interesting. Silva, go ahead on Jerry Judy, 39 overall. Yeah, I I just... I, I like I'm just out on Cortland Sutton. I I think he showed poorly last year. Uh, the the team tried to try to get rid of him. The team uh, goes in and trades up for Marvin Mims, exercises a, a very expensive option on Jerry Judy. I've always been a Jerry Judy guy. He's had some high ankle sprain stuff, which will absolutely absolutely torch your season. Um, I, I'm betting on him to stay healthy and have a breakout year under Sean Payton and. Um, so that's where I'm kind of pushing my chips in. We talked about him, and I think they they clipped it from the 150 show, uh, the uh, uh, the the video guys. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm betting on a, a breakout year for Jerry Judy. Period. I think look, I think sometimes what happens is there's these narratives that exist for a reason, but then it's hard to like translate them into probabilities. And for me. That's what's happening with Judy and Sutton. And, you know, on underdog right now, Judy is going about where Evan has him. So it's not that outlier of a ranking, but all the signs point towards Judy over Sutton, but they're going like six rounds apart when last year Sutton was going two rounds before Judy. And we're coming off a year where Judy caught 67 balls on 110 targets. Sutton caught 64 balls on 109 targets. And I just wonder if we're pushing, I, I don't necessarily feel even super confident in this, but I just wonder if we're pushing the narrative too far about everything Evan said is true about Sutton and why you'd be worried. But is that enough to take Judy earlier than we took him last year and now to take Cortland Sutton round 10? That's where I, you know, I, I'm just not sure. I'm just not confident enough in that narrative to to invest such an early pick in Judy and to totally bury Sutton. Yeah. <laughs> tough one uh, i'm gonna give the victory to silva there more of a uh micro base take than a market based take there from Silva, which i appreciate but yeah it is it is really interesting i'm really looking forward to camp i talked about it some on market monday tim patrick is here also they're talking about using greg dolchich as um a joker and so when you start to get all these guys involved and you have questions about how good russ really is man jerry judy that high scares me a little bit but i'll give the victory to silva there another wide receiver in this AFC West, Mike Williams, machine 43rd overall, Silva 30th overall. Silva, I'll let you go first here, being very high on Mr. Big Mike. Well, I think the one thing that we, that Leone and I clearly agree on is that we want to be in on the Chargers 
this year. He talked about Quentin Johnston, and I capitulated on our first uh, show, man, man versus machine show. Um, I don't, I don't expect them to do it, do it here be, to, to capitulate on Mike Williams because he's got Mike Williams pretty darn high. I mean, 43 is pretty darn high. I just have him higher. And that's because I think that betting on that, the in place rapport with Justin Herbert, um, what we've, what we've seen big Mike do, uh, in, in spurts when he's been healthy, the, the health reports on him coming back from last season have been positive so far. He's like the the clear like downfield clasher. Uh, and I think we're going to spread out the ADOT this year for Justin Herbert. Q, Qu- Quentin Johnson is more the rat guy. And then Keenan Allen is the underneath guy. I think that Mike Williams benefits from the lengthened ADOT more than any other Charger receiver. I don't mind moving him toward um, – toward Leone because I think we can, st- I can still get him at 35, 36, 37, 38. Um, but again, I, I think that Leone and I like just straight up agree about the chargers and he is, he's baking it in more into his Quentin Johnson ranking. And I went like real, real aggressive on big Mike. Yeah. Big Mike's ADP is currently around 46 overall on underdog. We've been ahead of market on him in the projection based rankings. Leone go ahead on Mike Williams. I mean, Agree with everything Silva said. Directionally, we're aligned. I think you know his ranks may be more aggressive than it needs to be, but we're both very pro Mike Williams. And even looking at like he's worse on full PPR sites, but not that much worse if you're looking at the breakout of this offense and, and the potential here. And he's his ADP on FFPC is 66 overall. So like, um, there's a lot of room to get Mike Williams right now. Yeah, he's one of my highest exposure players. You know, early on in best ball season. All right, can only call that one a draw. Let's go to Rashad White. This has been interesting, man. And like, it's tough to call Rashad White like a a boomer back because he's a young second year player. But it seems like a lot of the spreadsheet socials have been out on Rashad White because with Tom Brady last year, he just was not very good. And now he has to play with Baker Mayfield. So Leone, I'll let you go first here. Machine has Rashad White 73rd. Silva is up at 57 on Rashad White. Yeah, this is one where I do think sometimes the analytics community is a little too invested in in small term, short term efficiency stuff. So I could see where you could make some excuses for Rashad White last year. I mean, Leonard Fournette was quite terrible as well. Um, The offensive line seemed like it struggled for Tampa Bay. The whole offense struggled. With that said, he was still pretty bad in terms of efficiency in both the pass game and the ground game. And this is one of those projectable volume situations where it looks like he's got to be the clear guy. But if he's not that good, you know, someone else could come in. They could still, this is another spot. It wouldn't be shocking if they signed someone before the start of the season. I know Gretch on our offseason's podcast pointed that out. So, uh, and the offense overall, like the high value touches for running back are going to come way down than they have in the past couple of years. You're not going to get all the Tom Brady checks downs to running backs. You're going to have lower play volume. You're going to have lower scoring expectations. So I just don't think he kills me, even if we are maybe a touch conservative on the rank. All right. Evan, go ahead on Rashad White. I agree. Actually, when I did my first um, my first run for the, the second uh, 150, I had Rashad White cl- much closer to Leone. And then I just kind of, you know, looking at the depth chart, like right now, I mean, Chase Edmonds is, he was one of the worst backs in the league last year. Keyshawn Vaughn has really shown nothing. Patrick Laird, you know, um, it's like, 
I, I and then I wound up moving up Rashad White. And it, it might have been something that I didn't even believe that I should do, but but just looking at his his in-house backfield competition, I was like, he should be higher. I don't like his fit with Baker Mayfield. You're right. He wasn't particularly good as a rookie in any phase of the game. I'd be fine moving him down. I, I, I can just capitulate on this one. All right. A capitulation from Silva on Rashad White. The big concern for me on Rashad White is that I, it was an awesome spot for him last year. Like, Leonard Fournette is not that good. Tom Brady is a, just a printing press for running back fantasy points. And Rashad White still couldn't really do it. You know, and, and that's that's a concern for me for sure on Rashad White as we head to a season in which the Bucks, at least on paper to me, should be tanking. All right. Last one I want to do here quickly is the three Seahawks wider series. We'll do them all at once. Silva is very high on DK Metcalf, 21 overall. Very high on Tyler Lockett, 33 overall. Machine is well behind on both of those. However, Silva is way behind on Jackson Smith and Jigba, 100 overall, while the machine is at 62 overall so evan maybe i'll let you set the stage here really high on dk metcalf entire locket really low on jsn yeah because i think that we are going to get a lengthened a dot from seattle this year was a little which was a little bit of a uh, a dink and dunk offense and there's going to be a ton of touchdown regression in play for dk metcalf so dk metcalf is a guy that I, I'm, I'm coming out guns blazing i think that he has overall wide receiver one uh kind like I think that that's within his range of uh, potential outcomes. I'm in, in on the Seahawks period in, in Geno Smith's second year that gave him the big extension. Um, and I also, and, and again, back to the ADOT, like uh, these stud rookie tackles that they, that they stole in, in, uh, in the 2022 draft, they're entering their second year. They built up the interior line a little bit. Um, I, 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 and I think that Geno Smith, after what he showed in his, uh, first season as the full-time starter, like I think that they're going to have more trust in him and DK Metcalf is going to make more big plays down the football field. All right. Uh, and then Tyler Lockett is, we talked, we've talked about him and it was 31. It's a little bit scary. Uh, but I mean, I, he's still playing at a really high level. I think he went over a thousand yards. He scores eight to 10 touchdowns every year. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm not as high on only played in what two games last year. Um, you know, was hurt a lot, you know, not, not a ton of production other than like little, little, uh, pop-ups at Ohio state. And so I have him at what 100 overall, and I'm sticking with the, with the, with the veterans on the Pete Carroll team, riding them hard. Yeah, it is an interesting spot. We've seen some boomer ball out of Seattle in years past Leonia. Now you're asking them to feed three wide receivers. Go ahead on Seattle wideouts. Yeah. I mean, someone who I respect a lot said about Jackson Smith and Jigba, Amon Ra St. Brown clone will play massive role right away. Uh, that was that was our Evan Silva who said that about Jackson Smith and Jigba. So uh, if you believe that and just knowing how rookies perform over the course of the season, I think he can step in and be more target competition for Metcalf and Lockett than people realize because he's going to play that slot role. And even if they try to be a higher eight out offense, the reason this offense worked for Seattle last year is Gino was completing like nearly 70% of his passes. And I think JSN is going to help him continue to do that a lot. So he he's too talented to not cut in to Metcalf and lock it. And then, you know, it's tough to take Metcalf crazy early when the past few years, every year we're like, he's going to pull away from Tyler Lockett and he just can't do it. And now you've got this competition and we still have Metcalf 
you know, the machine side of things pulling away from Lockett, but not by, you know, but then you've got JSN there. So it's, just, I don't know, it's just a difficult, it is a difficult projection overall, but ultimately if you're, you're bullish JSN, I just don't see a Geno Smith, Pete Carroll led offense being quite that explosive to like a chargers one where we're in on like all these chargers pieces. I will say that both Silva and I are pretty high on Kenneth Walker as part of this Seattle offense. We both like him a lot. think, you know, the rushing efficiency upside is huge for him, but I don't know. I, I just think those tags that Silva has attached to Lockett and Metcalf are too rich for the downside here. Yeah. I mean, machine 78 on tire Lockett to me is too low. Silva 33 on tire Lockett to me is too high. So I'm not sure what to do here. Exactly. I'm going to have to give it a draw. I think the Seattle stuff is so, so hard and we see it here with so much discrepancy in the rankings, especially on JSN and what JSN's role will be. So I'll go ahead and give that a draw there. All right. That's going to do it for part two of the Man vs. Machine podcast. Be sure you're listening to Establish the Edge. That's Leone's podcast. The podcast he does with Gretch are like, man, if you guys are serious about fantasy football, you should be listening to the Establish the Edge pods with Gretch on the projection preview side of things. Be sure you're following at Evan Silva on Great Twitter. Great listening at, for road trips too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at Evan Silva, at Adam Levitan, at Establish the Run, all one word, and at Two Hats One. Mike DraftKit is live on the site right now. Rankings and context you need for everything around best ball, dynasty, and season long. Or Evan for the machine, Michael Leone for the man. Evan Silva for producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck everybody.